Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome, everybody, to Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 219. Hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab globes, spin it around, bang, not sure where you ended up. But spin it around, find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And we're not pastors. We're just regular guys. And each of us are on our own spiritual journey, and that's why we created this Man Up podcast. I want to thank all the supporters and for the donations and stuff that we have had over the years, and we're starting to do live events, so if you haven't seen the Man Up fellas, come and say hi to us. Um, we feel that all men are leaders, leaders of your family, leaders at work, leaders in your church and community, but sometimes... That lead dog needs to be fed and spiritually recharged, and that's why we're here. So whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, our website, man-upspiritualoasis.com or pray.com, uh, we're glad you're joining us. And we're on this No Church Answers Tour and we're glad you're here. And what we basically do here is we have an ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or a Sunday School lesson that we go over. We update it. We put a man spin on it. And uh, we kind of unpeel it like a layers of an onion uh, with a great panel. And our panel consists of a world-class policy writer and a professional gambler. He's also the producer of the show, Mr. Steve Titch. Yeah, Steve. Hey, Steve. And attorney and former prosecutor, uh, Michael Cropper. We call him the judge. Hey, Mike. Hey, hey Bill. Hi, Steve. Uh, and the other two guys. Hi, guys. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Corporate trainer and pretty much the group theologian. Uh, we call him the professor, Robert Koshu. Hey, Robert. Hey, Robert. <laughs> Insurance broker and deacon Kyle Trahan. Hey, Kyle, how about Hello, you? Hello, Kyle. Did you just say Mr. yo yo? I thought yo. I heard somebody I say that. that yo? Okay. <laughs> and uh, yo, my yo. name is right. My name is Bill Cox. I'm basically a salesman, uh, kind of like uh, the director. So, and with that, uh, we are in uh, Connect 360. We do ver- use various publications. Um, for our podcasts, uh, for the material. This is from Baptist Way Press. It's uh, Solomon, No Ordinary Kind of Wisdom. And it's actually the study of First and Second Chronicles. And so with that, I'm just going to go around and get a brief overview uh, from the fellows before we, uh, we hit the scripture and then unpack it a little bit more and start with the Producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Thank you, Bill. Well, we've been going through the dedication of the temple these last few weeks, and now we've come to the point where it's all over. The ceremonies are finished. Sacrifices are done. Worship is over. All that exhilaration has, has faded, and, well, I guess the parking lot's empty now. And the author huh. notes here that 
<coughs> maybe it's just these quiet times that is the best time to hear God speak to us. Uh, when, when the distractions, even of distractions of worship, which, which are, are there to praise God, die down. And I, I like the idea that the, uh, the author of the lesson apparently was in a Christian band for some time in his youth. I'm sure Mike can identify with that. Mm. And, and uh, he would say that uh, it's a he or she. I'm not sure. It sounds like a he. Uh, after the concert was done and the people left and they were getting ready to take down their stuff, that was, to him, sometimes the most spiritual time of, of the show, after the show. So we're going to look at what God said to Solomon in the quiet of the evening after that big pageantry and uh, ceremony at the temple. Excellent. Uh, professor. So... I find it interesting that the appearance of God occurs on the back end of what we often refer to as a spiritual high. So so l let's think about it for a little bit. You have your big worship Christmas service. You have your retreat. You have your, fall, your summer camp if you're in youth. And that is your, quote-unquote, mountaintop experience. I'm going to just throw out there that the temple dedication, that had to be the mountaintop of all mountaintops because not only did you have the pageantry of the temple, the establishment of the quote-unquote state religion as a part of it, but fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice and you didn't have to light it. I'm just saying that probably would have got my attention. You know, even if you're just like, oh, God, Solomon said we got to go, so let's go to this. Whoa! <laughs> you know? glad you came? Yeah. Yeah. Because so, so, there's no instant replay or no, videos yeah, you can go yeah, watch yeah, later. Yeah, 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 you, yeah. Oh, man, you mean I missed that? <laughs> you know, but it, oftentimes on the back end of those, you end up having those challenges where things are different. The challenges hit Solomon, but God comes and visits him with a incredibly distinct message. A message of, hey, guess what? You do what you're supposed to. It's all going to be good. Don't do what you're supposed to. Yeah, things may not go the way you're thinking they're going to. I don't think to. it was a may not. <laughs> he was pretty... He was pretty I wrote Correct one. as to what right. was going to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, but, but, it, but it's one of those things where you had that concept of this is afterward. Now God is visiting you and telling you, okay, here's what that all means. And, and I think that's something that a lot of people miss when they have those spiritual high moments is they get into it and they don't, they don't construct their faith enough my deconstructionist friends there they don't construct their faith enough on the back end of that experience to figure out okay what do I do with that excellent Michael Cropper yeah yeah <laughs> uh, we're gonna wake up Mike and, uh, okay uh, Robert, explain, and, and, and folks, this is a, uh, I'm, I'm not going to read the scripture, Bill's going to read it to you in a, in a little bit, but 
This is, uh, the, the author says the main idea for this study, and it, it is tremendous. He says, throughout the Word of God, there is a continual emphasis on the conditional relationship we, we enjoy with God. And, and folks, you know that. If, God says, if you serve me, I will bless you. If you do not serve me, if you sin against me, I will judge you. There is a reaction and a reaction, conditional both ways. And this is what uh, we'll, we'll be addressing with the scriptures themselves. Uh, I, I, I identified it like this. Today's lesson revisits a principle God has mandated throughout the whole Bible, and that's obedience. Obedience is the most stringent principle God requires us to adhere to. God gave Adam and Eve everything they could want in the Garden of Eden. The entire garden and its blessings were endless. One limitation existed, however, they were not to eat from the tree of knowledge. So everything was positive there, folks, not negative. Well, they, you know what they did. They disobeyed God and they ate from the tree of knowledge. The judgment, uh, pardon me, the result was judgment and banishment from the Garden of Eden. And then the great flood also, the people of the earth during Noah's time were so caught up in sin, again, disobedience to God's laws and commandments, that God couldn't see no other way to turn them back to following him, so he chose to judge him through the flood. Remember, Noah worshiped and feared God, so God provided the way for him and his family to escape the flood. You can believe in God and worship him and still be disobedient. King Saul is the example of this. He needed wisdom from God to know whether or not to attack his enemies. So he consulted with Samuel, and Samuel told him that, that he, Saul, should wait, and he, Samuel, would seek God and offer sacrifices to God to seek his, uh, his wisdom and guidance the next day. King Saul waited until the next morning and became impatient, and he offered the sacrifices himself to God before Samuel arrived. So he worshiped God. He sacrificed to God. But when Samuel arrived, he told Saul he had just lost his kingdom because God would eventually take it away from him because Saul was disobedient. He did not wait for Samuel to seek the Lord. Saul had sacrificed the animals in worship to God, but he did not have the authority to do that. And Samuel told Saul, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. God would rather you follow his rules than to worship him with sacrifices. So obedience to God and to his laws and statutes, God has required this throughout the whole Bible. And to today's lesson, again, I mentioned that the uh, author said this is conditional relationship with God. And we'll go into that more. Bill? Excellent uh, overview from you, Kyle. Um, you know, I think for this one as well, the, the point that I think we should focus on a little bit as well is, is making sure that we carve out the time throughout our day, you know, um, to seek the face of God, to make sure that we're, I don't know, I guess just being still and quiet at different points in our day and our lives and the different things that go on, you know, um, as Robert was saying, the spiritual highs and everything, we need to make sure and focus on what that can mean. How do we better ourselves from the experience, whether it's just something simple or not? Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, read the uh, scripture at Second Chronicles 7, 11 through 22. 
Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, all that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And as for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with David your father, saying, You shall not lack a man to rule Israel. But if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck you up from my land that I have given you and this house that I have consecrated for my name. I will cast out of my sight and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all people. And at this house, which was exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished and say, why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? Then they will say, Because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshipped them and served them, therefore he has brought all this disaster on them. Steve Titch. Thank you. At, at the risk of getting theological, but maybe I can go to Robert on this, because this is a, a question, <laughs> Be especially between Old Testament and New Testament, uh -huh. because we look at this Old Testament uh, section quite a bit. Do the rules change? Um, we, you have to actually, you, you laid it out there a moment ago, Mike, um, the conditional nature of this. In yes. this scripture, God says... You have to humble yourselves, pray, turn, seek my face, turn, turn from your wicked ways, then I will forgive. It seems after after Christ, we we we, oh, we need just we need to repent. I mean, obviously right. you 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 do make an effort when you convert to turn from your wicked ways, but it does not seem this, this, um, this seems that there is still part in effort, something to do before God grants you grace. The, the rules don't change, the language did. Well, the, well, word, the word repent mm -hmm. is really used more 
mm-hmm. in the sense of being saved in the New Testament versus mm-hmm. the Old Testament. The Old Testament was turn from your evil ways and follow me. Repent kind of wrapped it all up into one word, particularly in the Greek because it was used. Because it implies a turning away from. I think the other thing is, and, and I think we, we've talked about this a couple of times, the rules changed in the sense that you didn't have to go find the right animal based on your income level. And it was a very equitable system, by the way, um, because Christ paid that price. What didn't change was the consequences. You know, Israel repented a couple of times throughout the period after Solomon. Um, When Josiah became king, they basically rededicated the temple and did all that. Um, And God staved the judgment for a while from the Babylonians. But it's still, I think, the consequences are always there. And I think the, the part that we forget is that the forgiveness is there, from the God, from God's perspective, but the consequences of those sins continue to roll through your life as you go through it. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number two nineteen. We will be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders, are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 219. And uh, Kyle Trahan wanted to follow me, so I'm going to throw out some stuff that is uh, absolutely, <laughs> let, let, totally let out of left field. Quick, I'm so glad yeah. Robert mentioned the sacrifices. Do you know how many oxen I would owe? For Christ, having not sacrificed himself for all those animal sacrifices, I would probably owe a million of them. But you would have had to have been a very rich man. I'd have had to been a very rich man. Sorry, Bill. Yeah, well, no more money than I have. My kids' hamsters would be in serious trouble. Uh, You're right, right, right. yeah. Hey, where's the hamsters? Well, I just got back from Temple. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have have enough money. I needed a burnt offering. Yeah, commission was pretty light this last couple of months, so uh, we don't have to buy hamster food. Uh, But no, a couple of... So you save money both ways? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And got a blessing out of it. I mean, what's that about? That's win, win, win. <laughs> you should have taken the break now. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's the second see, we're, break. We're not, we're not sure anybody will get it other than us. So, um, you know, but here's here's the big thing that hits me about 
<clears throat> about um, this particular uh, lesson. And just a couple of things. Um, when the hassle of the job is over, the quality remains. And that's what I was thinking about the building of the temple. And because I am work as a contractor and you know there's so many times that when you want to cut corners, uh, you just want to get through the job. The client is I mean it's the hardest thing whether you put the stress on yourself or the client puts the stress on yourself. And think about this with with Solomon. I mean, he this was a legacy thing. So he had not only God but his dad and I mean all of Israel looking at him. So, and he mm -hmm. finally gets it done. The quality remains. But how many times when you finally make it up to the top of the mountain, you're on the top for like five minutes and you look around. I mean, and you go, oh, that's it? Or, or what next? Or, yeah, what or, next? Or, or the next thing you have to do is you have to go, go down the mountain. You, you know, I mean, you created this great thing and then you, you, you have to, I mean, what's the next thing that's going to top this? Uh, you know, um, and the only other, the other thing that I thought about is this. <clears throat> and, and I'm just going to tell God, I'm just going to give it props to God for being so awesome and smart. You know, and he got it from Bill Cox. Think about it. Is think about it. If you're not, if you're going to re revere something, you better show your reverence. Otherwise, you're a, you're a liar. You, you know what I'm saying? And I think if nothing else, not only did he want obedience, but he wanted these people to live it. You know, I mean, don't don't be. And, and you know that that's the thing that hits us people. You're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. But if you revere something, have reverence for it. That, that's and simple. That I think was what Mike was getting at. In part of that, God certainly appreciated the temple. He validated it. He appeared in a temple. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was a sincere act of worship. But in the end, He says, all that effort is really nothing. Unless you revere me. Absolutely. That's right. Well, that's, that's it. And I was looking at, uh, what is it, verse 16 here. For now, I have chosen. You know, and you break it down into a different right. context of the way yeah. we usually read through some of those wordings. So, like, at this time, I've chosen and consecrated this house uh, that my name may be there forever, not will. Not like a, a definite there. It might be. Well, we know the temple was destroyed. Well, you know, so it was his house. It was built for him. But it, God already, of course, knew it wasn't going to be there forever. And then in, uh, at the end of it, my eyes and my heart will be there forever or for all time. Right. Well, God's never going to forget it. You know, I've gone to places where the building or whatever no longer stands. He, you know, the shock of it at that moment. But I can put myself back there in my mind without having to have the building there. And so God's definitely going to be able to do that. So I read those couple of sentences a little different. I like that for now concept mm -hmm. because I think that's something that is very much a part of this 
story, as it were, that because this is this is first and second chronicles are actually one book called Chronicles, and it was meant to supplement Kings. Um, first and second Kings is how we refer to them, but they're part an overarching part of this story is God not abandoning Israel but God withdrawing from Israel for a period of time because of their unfaithfulness and and honestly until the Babylonian captivity they had problem with idolatry and that broke it <laughs> you know of course having your town invaded and everybody carted off and the ground raised that will tend to break bad habits you know um, but I, I think there's a lot to those two words Kyle like you said the words for now I will do this well you know the the, um, the way God speaks this and from the very beginning again in Adam and Eve he speaks I want to do this I want to meet my heart wants to be here for all time I want to be attentive to this temple with with all my eyes and my ears all the time and then he comes back and he places that condition so he really is positive it he's saying this is what i want to do this is what i intend to do as long as and he places that condition on it so he wants us to believe that he's a positive god and he really intentionally wants us to live forever as as we we believe we will through jesus christ but he wants he wants him to believe that he's with him forever but then he does delineate a limitation on it. and by the way our whole life is full of limitations, right, guys? Uh, uh, to me, this is a very, very conditional relationship that's throughout our entire life. When we work, do we want to work? Do we want to feed our family? Yes. Well, then go to work. Then you'll get paid. Then you can buy food. Then you can feed your family. This whole law of conditions is through our life and everything we do. And, and, uh, and, and so it reminds me of this, that... He is really positive. God is really positive. For instance, to drive a car, it's a very positive thing. You can drive a car when you get a, a license, and you can go anywhere as long as you follow the conditions on the road and the conditions of state law, right? It's a very positive thing, but people who are not Christians or believers think that all these rules and regulations that we ex exist in the state and exist in the Bible are all negative they look at us Christians as uh, negative, right? Yeah, but this is very much a value for value relationship. This is much yes. like this is much like an account that you get if you're a uh, commissioned salesman. God essentially is this: I will give you the God account as long as you treat me with reverence. And yes. I and what what do you get for that? You get you get life. You, you get life for it, but right. you must stay reverent to me. Otherwise, you'll lose this account. Right. And, and so it's very much a value-for-value <laughs> value relationship as described here. You know, Mike, you were talking about the Garden of Eden. It, it was that exact same thing. Do right by me, by God, and you can have this garden and everything in it. And be the master of it. Only second to me, God. That's one hell of a proposal. And they mucked it up. And that's what God is saying here. I'm giving you the world. I'm giving you all of this. Or rather, at this point, I'm allowing it to continue to happen. 
And then, as always, we, with our free will and stupidity, muck it up. Well, don't we always want the thing we can't have? Isn't that the truth? David and Bathsheba? <clears throat> And it's, it's, but in this case, and, and it's, it's down different. the line because yeah, because there, I mean, in those cases, there, there's almost active disobedience. Yeah. Here, the it's it's almost as if the Israelites something took away their attention. They got they ended up focusing on other things, and and we can we can look at it broadly and saying in our time it's it's money or it's sports or it's it's something that we put. Uh, ahead of God, and in this, in, in you go back to this time in history, it, were, it was other gods that ultimately uh, they begin to tolerate and worship in mm-hmm. in Judah and Israel, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know, and that's the turning away. Well, I, but so so a little. I'm not saying yeah, but it's like yeah, but it's it's but same same thing. Goes. I mean, you just—it's just so difficult to keep your eyes on God, and so easy to fall back into believing other things that—that that other things are in control. Either it's yourself or astrology or Baal in this case, or your your the, the Standard and Poor's 500 in modern times. Well, I th- almost think this was a <laughs> two-step process. I mean, unlike Field of Dreams. Uh, if you build it, he will come. Okay, yeah. You built it. You built it. He came. But you're going to have to obey for him to stay. I mean, plain and simple. It's kind of like uh, if you're you a franchise. Field, you have to keep the that's, field. Uh, you've got to do the that, chores that's in my right. house. That's right. You've got to obey the laws of the <clears throat> franchisee, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to occupy the house. And I think that's why... Here, both we saw in the temple ceremony, um, the and I think even repeated here in in this in this conversation or in this revelation to to, to Solomon about the Exodus, and God continually not only does He promise the future, He He says, "Hey, I've stood on this guarantee before. You're I've right. delivered you before. You can count on me." He's not He's not asking He's not asking for faith you know freshly pressed here right he's not right. the new god in town a new god in <laughs> town right well, very he's, nice he's, but, but, he's, and, he's saying hey you know I'm, remember me i'm the guy you trusted all along well and 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 i think that brings up an interesting point about our faith walk and, and something we can talk about is god brings that up because that's part of the faith story of the nation much like we each build our faith story as we grow, as we go through, you know, our faith changes and molds. We talk a lot about how scriptures that we've read one time before mean something totally different to us now, and it's the same scripture. Why? Well, because we're in a different part of our war- life, and so we see it. Likewise, the Christian faith has a long history of certain things, and some in the current generation, they want to throw it all out. And, oh, my gosh, we've got to have this. We've got to have that. I, I, I'll i be honest. One of the things I like the most about our church, I like good contemporary Christian music that's that's not that it, that goes beyond seven words sung seven times because a lot of Christian courses are seven words seven times. But our church actually does hymns 
and the good stuff because him. And the good stuff. He didn't mean it, Clint. He didn't mean it at all. But if you're. But well, if you're a young, of. but if you're a young guy, that's how you. If you're a young person, a younger person, that's how you look at it. You look at those stodgy old hymns and go, "Oh my gosh, we're gonna sing one of the." Here comes the organ. Here we go again, and but that that is part of our faith, you know. The familiarity. Well, it's the familiarity, but it's also it's things that have stood the test of time. And I think when the Israelites, by the time they built the temple, if you go back through their history, they had the Exodus, obviously. That was a major moment. A couple of times during their judges period, which we're going to be discussing in our next series, by the way, kind of a quick preview, and very excited because there are great stories, I will say now. I'm 99% sure we're going to cover Samson, the Hebrew playboy. So... (laughs) Nice. <laughs> you know, but but there's some great stories in there that I'm sure filtered through. David comes in, takes over, brings the ark to Jerusalem. I'm fairly certain they set up another another tabernacle type deal there next to Jerusalem where people would come and worship. Basically that was taking it from Shiloh down and consolidating it and making it the state religion. The temple solidifies that idea. And so those stories become important for people to hear as they go through. Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our second break. This is Man Up. Podcast 219, we will be right back. You are listening to the Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. Originating out of Sugarland, Houston, Texas, USA, it's the faith-based man podcast that women enjoy too. Called authentic, timely, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been encouraging and entertaining audiences since 2016 and continues to be one of the fastest-growing shows in its segment. Want to book a speaker, show, or post a comment? Go to Man Up on Facebook or our website, www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now, back to the No Church Answers Tour and the Fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast number 219. And what we're talking about is, uh, is from First uh, and Second Chronicles. Uh, we're talking about Solomon, nor ordinary kind of wisdom. And just to set the stage real quick, uh, the temple is complete, and it's awesome, and it's beautiful, and it is consecrated. But God has come and has told Solomon uh, that he will reside there. However, uh, they must revere him. But, so it's conditional. Think about it this way. Why would you build a barn for pigs if you were going to raise cattle? You would not. You're going to prepare something, and you're preparing the most beautiful thing, so it should have meaning for you in your life. And I think the problem with people that have the disease called affluenza probably only happens uh, in the United States, um, whereas they don't know, they have more money than they know what to do with, and so they spend it on stuff that they don't even care about. 
and I think that's a big point in this lesson. I just wanted to make sure that I brought that up. So, well, and since you brought that up, right? Uh -oh. First Kings. <laughs> he, he got the oh, seven okay. wild up. Here we go. <laughs> okay, First Kings seven one. If you guys want to follow along with it, Solomon. Solomon is known for the temple, the exquisiteness of the temple. But in First Kings seven one, Solomon took thirteen years to build his own house. So he finished all his house, his house, the palace. And it's bigger than the temple, okay? He also built the house of the forest of Lebanon, his playhouse, I guess. I'm gathering that's what it is, which is a huge house. Its length was 100 summer cubits. Residence. Its width summer was <laughs> 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits with four rows of cedar pillars inside the house. And it was paneled with cedar above the beams that were on 45 pillars, 15 to a row. There were windows with beveled frames in three rows and windows opposite windows in three tiers. And five, and all the doorways and doorposts had rectangular frames and windows were opposite window in three tiers. He also made the hall of pillars, which I suspect is where the judgment seat was, where the, uh, the uh, ivory throne was, which he covered with gold. And its width was 30 cubits and in front was portico with pillars and a canopy was in front of them. Then he made a hall for, the, oh, pardon me, I, I, he made the hall of pillars, so it's a building just with pillars. Then he made a hall for the throne, the hall of judgment, where he might judge, and it was paneled with cedar from floor to ceiling. And the house where he dwelt had another court inside it, a hall of like workmanship. So Solomon also made a house for this hall for Pharaoh's daughter, whom he had taken his wife. We don't hear about all those buildings. This, well, this is the interesting thing about Chronicles. I mean, and this happens, I'm looking at it, this in Kings is before he gets down to doing the temple. Now, yes, it's interesting. We don't, we don't, we don't know if this that. is all happening yeah. at the same time, but we know the record, the, re the Bible tells us it took seven years to build the temple and it took 13 years to, to do all this. So, I, and, and I, I don't have a commentary in front of me, so I don't know if this is all going on at the same time, but there was definitely had to be overlap. Just the, the math demands that. But no, he had so much wonder, wealth. I wonder if that's why Solomon ends up going astray. And why, and, and Solomon is certainly a big hero in Chronicles. Yes. It's his, his it's, Kings gives more, and, and we're going to talk about the kind of the, the problems with idolatry in a couple of weeks that aren't in Chronicles. We're going to take, mm -hmm. a, take a left turn out of the book. But this, you're right, this isn't in Chronicles either. And these are the more the, the things that kind of make you raise an eyebrow about Solomon, and and I'll leave that as a as a preview. And maybe I, I that's why how, God. Maybe that's why God said, you know, make sure you keep your eye on me. Solomon. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Maybe, well, and maybe, maybe, maybe this was, was we didn't. You know, so, because maybe that maybe maybe you know, as Solomon is thinking about this, he's looking out over his halls of justice yeah. and notice that he built a a separate separate palace for the pharaoh's daughter his wife at yes the time, and right. one, one of his wives yes. so, well i was so about to say point. the 700 wives he had to have a few residences <laughs> yeah. you know but at that same thing you said you know why did he turn to 700 wives 300 concubines or whatever those numbers yeah, were yeah i'd say that's it mm -hmm. you got a thousand women one in, in your ear. Attention. Yes. Well, in your ear. And right. I'm sure You're they're like not all 100% vetted as far as, <laughs> well, you only believe in the state religion, right? That's all you believe. You have oh, nothing they in the were closet. Not vetted. No, they well, that's. Well, 
you know, let's put something there. Well, let's that's what I'm there. saying. That's how it. That's know, it's for just all we know, like Solomon just said. All right, turn it to get out of my hair. <laughs> well, but you know, so over time, with anything else, yep. we know this in our own homes. If you want to, uh, you know, try it, just find something and stick it on the mantle. Doesn't belong there. Bright orange. Like your shirt there, Robert. You know, a couple of days, you know, the wife will come up and says, well, what is that? Oh, I'm, I'm doing something with it. And, you know, and let it go for a little bit. So many times that will soon become a straight up fixture in your home. Yep. And the mind and the eye stop seeing it. You look right through it. Well, I can imagine through time, even in the 13 years as he's building it, you get a section. Well, we can move into here. And things get put up. And you've got this little crazy thing there and this sun god over here and this painting of that over there. And you know, you're just walking down the halls with a blind eye. Ooh, I don't see any of this until it finally creeps on in. And it's all there. And you're surrounded by it. Wow. And he didn't mean it or intend it, but I can see how that could have quickly happened. See, and, and I go back to the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Because who was David's who was Solomon's mom? Mm-hmm. She's mentioned in the in the uh, in the genealogy of Jesus has was born to him by the one who had been Uriah's wife. <laughs> You know, David had a little women problem. Solomon passed it on. Solomon took it to a whole nother level. Yeah, but but it was the other thing is as I think we've talked a little bit about, and this may be a good conversation to have, at least briefly at this point, is David had to fight for what he got, and and we've kind of talked about this a little bit, you know, quite. You know, he had God on his side, but, man, there were some lean years living out there in the wilderness with Saul chasing him all over the place. Yeah. You know? Having to sneak out to get water. Yeah. Per, per, or go to the temp, go to go to the tabernacle place at Shiloh to beg for some grain, mm-hmm. you know, to, to yep. feed his men. Yeah. Solomon, in the affluenza world, would be the rich boy that got handed everything. How do you find how do you find real legitimacy? That is a big, big problem. I have a for example, I have a good friend who was in my wedding who uh, won the lottery. And as a matter of fact, it was his uh, retirement plan. Everybody thought he was crazy, but he spent fifteen dollars on quick picks every Wednesday and Saturday. And after six years, he hit. Now, he lives in a subdivision where he tells everybody he's retired. And none of them believe him because he lives in an affluent subdivision and they're all doctors, mm-hmm. attorneys, <laughs> stuff. And he's just a guy. Okay? He doesn't uh, socialize with any of us because he's worried that all we'll ask for is loans. His attorneys have told him, don't have any alcohol on premises with other people unless they bring it so you don't get sued. So because of this, his affluenza, he's essentially done the clam. And he's had quadruple, quadruple bypass because he doesn't go out to the gym or any, he doesn't do anything anymore. 
And he told me, he goes, as much as I like being rich, it's taken years off my life. Yeah. Well, yeah, when you're just handed something, you know, you don't develop the appreciation for having it. I just want to throw a couple of things uh, out there. Maybe they're bombs or uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe my life. Uh, if they are, I'm going to follow Bill. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. You gotta go but I, I think, you know, I think a big part of this, uh, speaking to men, particularly the type of men that are uh, listening to this podcast, is this. Each of us are on our own faith walk. And there's going to be issues um, that happen not only with failure but with successes. Now, there's there's plenty of times if you fail, you'll get support from people and, oh, it's too bad, but I'll help you the next time or you'll try hard or whatever. But think about when you succeed. You have to come down from that goal and maybe regroup and maybe think of the next one. So oftentimes you can get depression from success as much as you can from failure. And a lot of times how you bounce from one achievement to the neck to starting of the next challenge will be crucial for you and your faith walk. And uh, so I just wanted to make sure that, uh, that I threw that in. Why don't I uh, start with getting some final thoughts from some of the fellas. And while uh, the judge is, uh, I don't know, if he looks like he's either sending a text or email, I don't know. Uh, Kyle, <laughs> a takeaway from you. Uh, I hear a lot these days, you know, talking just different people. You know, the end times are near and all of this kind of stuff, you know. God has given us a lot of warnings through the years of various things. You know, keep your eye on the ball. Even in, you don't even have to go to Revelation, you know, to see some of it. You know, I, I looked at what he said in, what verse is that? 13. Uh, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no more rain, it's drought. Command the locusts to devour the land and send pestilence among my people. And a whole lot of that's happening around our world. You know, there's uh, the whole world, I think, is actually considered in a drought right now. But, you know, not every little part uh, involved. It's called climate change, which, most, which a lot of Baptists don't believe. I'm, I'm, in, a, I'm in a mood. <laughs> that's what cl yeah, it's called I'm, climate I'm, change, I'm Kyle, which <laughs> uh, quite a few of uh, people around here seem not to believe. And so I'm glad you acknowledge it, but I don't necessarily think it's a sign of God. It's a sign of misuse of the environment. <laughs> well, it could be. Or it might not be. We're, we're going yeah. yeah, to have It, it kind of comes down to one of those questions, though. You know, do you believe in God, we, we not believe in get, God? We, we and until get. you get to heaven and ask God, we won't um, really know who's right. But, you know, we are seeing record infestations of locusts as well. And we do have a pandemic this, that this is the has been amongst the family. You between know. the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we've got to be careful because um, the Old... I, I, there's... And, and here, this is controversial, but I, I, I tend to follow, believe in progressive revelation, which means people who wrote parts of the Old Testament 
were, had, had certain degrees of revelation from God that we only got, we got further revelation with the coming of Jesus and Paul. And they saw, they saw a lot of, they saw God as a very, as a, as a binary being. I'm good, he will reward us. I'm bad, he will send locusts. And, and I think, I think especially as Christians, we got to be careful of getting bogged down in the Old Testament because the, the dimension they were seeing things was not complete. And, and um, we, we, have, we, we may never see it all complete, but we see a better picture of it. Now, I love the way we have preachers today talking about, uh, you know, all what you're saying, um, droughts, floods, hurricanes, and wouldn't it be better if we went back 20, 30 years when, when we were a Christian nation? Well, the, the San Francisco earthquake happened in 1908. We were pretty godly then. Chicago Fire, 1870s. Now, that was the time the preachers all say we were a Christian nation. We had the, the Galveston hurricane at the turn of the century. Hey, those were the good times, according to these televangelists, according to the people who say we're in the end times now. There have been disasters since Kings and Chronicles were written. So none of this end times stuff is what this is about. This is about obedience and about seeking God because God is seeking you. And, and this will be my wrap-up. Right. You talked about legitimacy. And yeah, Solomon, I think, is looking for it. I think he, he feels this. What, I know, do too. And the, the, the thing is, God tells him, I legitimize you. That's, okay. so, you know, that's one of maybe the issue of our times right now. We're all looking for some sort of legitimacy or validation, and Solomon got it, and I think he, unfortunately, he didn't. He didn't. Maybe it never took root, but God told him, "Hey, you're on the right track. Keep it up." Oh, excellent, uh, Michael Cropper. Yeah, once again, I, I mentioned earlier. Um, um, life is full of conditional promises. If we work, we'll get paid. If we get paid we buy groceries and eat if we love God and keep his commandments he promises to show mercy to us uh, this is in the second commandment um, the, ser the sermon on the mount Jesus presented to us and he said also he taught that a person who gives and I'm trying to bring this to a practical standpoint folks for who we work now we work with people we uh, those of you who may not go to church you will get karma, some of us call it karma, you will get treated as how you treat your fellow man, okay? Jesus specifically said that if a man gives and loves, he will receive the same love and goodness back. However, Jesus says that we should help those who cannot repay us. That's Luke 6.33. What we receive back will not be from those to whom we have lent. So what he's stating here is do unto others you would have them do to you. Uh, a great thought through the Old Testament and through the New Testament is uh, God wants you to love your fellow man. He wants you to do unto others as you, he would, he, as you would have them do to you. And then um, God pro God's promises for all of us. And the one that we all know, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What we have presented, been presenting to you folks is the covenant. 
a promise from God in response to a promise from us to respond to that that particular uh, promise he gives us. And so the, the, the promise that we all know and the covenant that we all know is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. So if we believe on the one God sent, we will have everlasting life. That's the conditional relationship that we should present to you today and we want to present to you in that and we all present in the podcast. Awesome. Uh, so deep. I'm uh, getting the bends coming up, Mike, uh, from that one. Uh, <laughs> right, right. And uh, a takeaway from you, Professor. Yeah, so for anybody wondering what Steve was talking about, go look at Luke 21. It talks about, um, that's Jesus referring to earthquakes, wars, famine, all that good stuff, you know, as part of the deal. So go take a look at that. Um, practical on this one. Really, it's recognize that your relationship with God is something that keeps going. We, we often call it a faith muscle that has to be exercised. And you have to exercise it and keep it going day to day because if you don't, then you end up with the bad pieces as you go through. And, and it's, it is a daily grind sometimes. To go through you know the, the, I, I want to know who these people are who are I just can't wait to be reading my Bible every day for hours I want to know who those people are because you know are there times I really enjoy reading my Bible yeah there are are there times that I look at it and go oh, I gotta read the Bible today yeah there are you know and and sometimes just like if you're an athlete I'm going to go back in Kyle's world for a moment. If you're an athlete, though, you have to exercise even when you don't feel like it because that's part of your job. Part of our job as Christians is to exercise our faith muscle and do it daily. And I think that's something where I, I think Solomon got distracted with all the other things. You know, 700 wives would distract me. I don't, you know, just saying. Um you know, he probably had, he probably, you know, he probably had to have a scheduler to keep up with. <laughs> that was probably somebody's job. Do you think it was exaggerated? I, I, I don't. <laughs> you don't? Because it was treaties. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it, all the multiple marriage thing among all the kings, that was all treaties. I mean, did, did, did they have, I'm gonna, did, did, were there wives he never even met? <laughs> I mean, probably when you're dealing with no, that number, I think he, I think he met him once. once. <laughs> he met him once, right? You know, but but yeah, I but yeah, it's it, it's a it's a muscle you've got to exercise every day, whether you want to or not. And I think that, I think that's the real takeaway from this, is that that if you ignore it, there are consequences that can build up and come down over time. Excellent. And with that, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Man Up Spiritual Voice from podcast number 219. And you know, it's funny that we went down that rabbit hole. So because on our live show, the topic was, does adultery still matter? So that is on YouTube. So appreciate you uh, tuning in, Man Up Spiritual Voices for Men podcast. And we really appreciate all of our sponsors and supporters. Thank you so much. So on behalf of our producer, Steve Titch, 
Michael Cropper, Robert Koshu, Kyle Tran. My name is Bill Cox, and we're on this No Church Answers tour. So check out our new YouTube channel. Additionally, we do our podcast with a live audience, so typically at men's ministry events. So if you see us, stop in and say hi. So whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Pray.com. Uh, if you have any questions or comment, you can go to our Facebook page or man-upspiritualoasis.com and post it there. So if you're unable to attend church still, check out the Sugarland Baptist streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, and sugarlandbaptist.org. It starts Sunday at 945. And when you are ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate and find a small group, adult Bible fellowship, kind of like what we have here, or a Sunday school class that you can join uh, for discussions like this. And find one that is men only. And if there isn't one, start one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flame through into this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.